Hi, Tilly here. I just wanted to include this note in case you don't follow me on social media and missed it. On September 19th, we'll begin a nine-part series examining the trans allegory of Silo on Apple TV. We'll be discussing the show and all its brilliant transness in detail, so if you don't want to be spoiled, be sure you watch it first. The good news is Apple TV has a one-week free trial, so it won't even cost you anything. Okay, that's all. On with the show! Woo! Welcome to Tilly's Trans Tuesdays. I'm always talking about how important cis allyship is because it's true and I'm right and very smart. And today I'm going to show you how to be a champion accomplice with proactive allyship, aka be an accomplice, and also the WGA strike. Tilly Bridges, your host, and I'm joined by my writing partner, my best friend, my wife, our token cis representation, the tough chick who'd throw hands to protect me at the drop of a hat, Susan Bridges. Hello. I am short and angry. Our returning guest is Zoe Ann Wendler, an associate professor of technical writing at Ferris State University and the writer of Stained Glass Woman, a science education newsletter that looks at the science and philosophy of being trans, trans medicine, and the joys and struggles of transition. Welcome back, Zoe. Hey, Tilly. Hey, Susan. It's awesome to be back. Yay! Okay, so I wanted to ask you about being a professor while also just so happening to being trans. How has that been for you with, like, the faculty and the students? And has it been good? Okay? Are they accepting? So the stereotype... I am in English, right? That is my kind of parent discipline, yeah, which is very firmly in the depths of the humanities. Mm-hmm. And what you have heard about professors being generally left to the left of the political spectrum is 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not because of some sort of malicious conspiracy. It's just the more conservative folks tend to go into engineering or something. But the play out of that is that when I came out publicly at work, and at the time I was advising my my entire program, so all the students in my program too, came out to all of my coworkers and all of my students all at once. I ended up spending the rest of the entire day responding to congratulations emails, Aww. both from my students and from my colleagues. One of my graduating students even sent me an email saying that me coming out gave them the confidence to face questions that they had been dodging for their whole life. Oh, that's the best. Yeah. So, I mean, I've come to be a really big believer in representation because it helps us imagine a better life for ourselves. It absolutely does. I say all the time, you know, like when I came out, I had to thank all of the trans women, especially trans women writers that I saw out there that made me think I could do it too. You know, I could be a writer and an out trans woman and be happy and have a career 
and it, it makes all the difference in the world. If you can see it, you can be it, right? So mm -hmm. representation is vital. So yeah. uh, for you, what has been the most surprising thing about your transition? Oh, goodness gracious. I've been I've been dithering on this all day. You gave me the heads up about the question and I still yeah. don't have an answer. Honestly, the thing that surprised me the most is probably something that like if you're not trans, you wouldn't get, but I'm a little under I'm I'm a little over 3 years in transition, a little under 3 years on HRT. And I still will catch myself in the mirror and just be a little bit stunned that yes, that's me yeah. after a lifetime of never recognizing my reflection. Like I yeah. see her and I'm like, it's me, it's me. It's the most overwhelming thing. When it first started happening for me, I used to just start smiling at myself in the mirror. Then I started waving. I'm like, look, you're still there. Look at look, lady. And I still do it three years in to medical and social transition. And I'm still waving at myself in the mirror. I'm so happy. I'm like, oh my God, you're still there. You're still there. It's so good. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the most unbelievable thing. It's 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 the thing I hope every trans or non-binary person gets to at some point to just see the real you. It is yeah. the most amazing thing. It's unreal. Like the first times, and for me, it happened in stages. Like first yeah. I saw that's a girl. Sure. And then that's a girl who is related to the person I've already seen. And yeah. then slowly and slowly and slowly it got closer and closer. But like, if if I had to pick one moment, the first time I looked in the mirror, I, I had facial feminization surgery a little over a year ago. And I saw myself in the mirror very shortly thereafter. And if, you know, for those of you who don't know, you are swollen, very swollen after yeah. FFS. But I saw myself in the mirror and for the first time in my life, I recognized who was looking back at me. And I just cried so hard because I didn't yeah. expect it then. I like, you know, that's, yeah. that's when my face has looked its worst in my entire life. Yeah, it's it's a thing that you never expect because you don't even know if it's a possible if you're ever going to get there when you start, you know, it's all a big unknown. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get from hormones or from transition. And it takes so long. It's such a gradual process that you never know. I think I was afraid to hope I might ever get there because if I didn't, it would be extra crushing, you know? So I just tried to not think about it. And then one day it, it happened and I don't know what caused it, but it was like magic and it's, it's the most beautiful thing. Yeah. What's one piece of advice that you would give to people who are just starting their transitions? So this one I know, and I'm actually going to pass on a the best piece of advice my dad ever gave to me. And he died before I figured it out. So he never got to know any of this. He never gave yeah. me advice. But the best piece of advice he ever gave me was the last thing he said to me as he was dropping me off for college. And he says, I want you to fail as hard as you can. And I'm like, what the hell? You just sent me to college. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Why are you telling me to fail, Dad? He says, mm -mm, you don't get it. Everybody's going to screw up and not get things right. That's just part of being human. Yep. But it's when we fail that we really learn. Yeah, absolutely. And when we commit to it and fail, when we really try and fail, 
that's when we learn the most about ourselves. When we succeed, all that we know is that it worked out that time. We don't know what or how or why. Yeah. So in transition, the advice I would give, and with the obvious acknowledgement for be safe, you know, protect yourself where you need to, is commit. Don't dip your toe in. Try it hard, you know, because it gives you the opportunity to really see what's there for you in a much less ambiguous way, if that makes sense. I think it does. And it's kind of, it ties in with sort of the, the philosophy that I live my life by, which is that you only really fail if you don't learn. So anytime yes. that something goes wrong or you don't succeed, as long as you learn from it, you learn more about yourself, you learn what to do next time, what you like or what you don't like, you're still winning. That's all it takes. You just have to, as long as you're learning, you're on the right path. And so don't be afraid to experiment. Absolutely. You might not like everything and then you know what you don't. And knowing what you don't want can sometimes help push you closer to what you do. So I think also like failures, you might not see it at the in the moment, but they're actually pushing you toward the thing you're trying to do. Yeah. Yes. This didn't work and you're so mad about it. Yeah. Like, but now you get to do the next thing. Right. Now you get to go forward. And sometimes you have to get through those those seeming failures to get to you know the thing you're trying to I mean, and trust as writers we have had oh, yeah. epic failures oh, yeah. yes yeah happens all the time that's 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 life that's writing that's a writing career it's everything so mm -hmm. okay and before we dive into this episode topic remind folks where they can find you online so Stained Glass Woman is on Substack. You can find it at stainedglasswoman.substack.com or just search Stained Glass Woman and it'll be the top result. Excellent. All right. So let's start with an allyship framework because everyone is new to these or to being an ally at some point. And I, you know, wrote these so that you'd read them and learn and listen. So let's start with the ways it can go wrong with things like performative allyship. So do see the Trans Tuesday on that. And then you can see how things can get much, much worse with performative allyship to false allyship, where people who think their allies are actually part of the problem and perpetuate and condone transphobia. And that was episode eight of this show. For an example of getting things right, check out what real cis acceptance looks like. And that was episode five of this show. And for an example of how even the smallest, most basic act of allyship can turn a miserable situation entirely around, see the Trans Tuesday on No Escape to Some Escape Due to Cis Allyship. So what am I talking about when I say proactive allyship? I'm talking about being such an ally that you are actively trying to help us and know when something is or could be transphobic and taking the steps to fix it. Before diving in further, I wanted to ask you, Zoe, what your experience with allies and allyship has been, because we're all surrounded by different people and they all have very different ideas about what allyship is and their level of commitment to it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I could tell you stories both ways just from work. Yeah. But I guess maybe my favorite one, I have my chair at Ferris is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. So I was talking to her the, the spring after I came out and at the end of the year, at the end of the senior year, we do the kind of this big event. We invite local members of the tech writing community, professional community to come in and give our graduates some feedback about their graduating work and how to market themselves. Yeah. It's a really wonderful opportunity. Everybody has a hoot. And, 
you know, so I'm sending out my normal, hey, this is coming up, come on in. And I'd done this years before coming out to them. And like almost half, almost half of our contacts, nothing back. And I'm I'm freaking out here. So I go to my boss, I go to my chair and I'm like, what do we do? You know, are we, are we still going to be able to do this? I think this is because I'm trans and some of yeah. our historic, you know, partners are, are not okay with it. And my chair, you know, and I'm crying and my chair starts crying right along with me. And she looks at me and she says, Zoe, if they're not comfortable around you for being trans, they're not safe for our students to be around. And in no way, shape or form will I allow that to happen. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love, I love my chair so much. Oh, I'm so glad you have somebody like that there. That, that is, that kind of stuff is vital. It makes such a difference. I just want to say in general, I feel like a lot of people are allies until the moment they become uncomfortable. And yeah. that's the moment when they have to sit down and think and not open their mouths Yeah, and take a minute and think about why do I feel this way right now? You're getting a little so, worked up. Am I? I? I love that about you. Okay. 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 So where we're going now is going to seem out of the blue, but it's absolutely one of the best and purest examples of this that I can give you. So please stick with me. I wouldn't lead you astray unless there was pizza involved, but here I am pizza-less. And so, as you've likely heard, the Writers Guild of America and later the Actors Union SAG-AFTRA have been striking due to egregiously poor pay and residuals, which are killing the possibility that people can make an actual career as television writers and screenwriters. We know all about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm not going to get into all the details here, but the point is these strikes are entirely justified and important, and I've been out there on the picket line as often as I can be. You have perhaps seen photos of me out there as I am the selfie queen. You are the selfie queen. Yes. I eventually even made my own sign, and it reads, Transphobia is bad enough. I don't need this shit, too. And then there's a little angry face. I, it gets lots of attention out on the picket line. And I've been out there with friends and I've met new and wonderful people. And though it sucks to have to strike, the camaraderie and communal joy from solidarity on the picket lines has been extraordinary. I got to meet Blue Del Barrio and tell them how much they and Adira on Star Trek Discovery have meant to me as Star Trek's first non-cis, non-binary character. My brother and my brother-in-law came out to picket with me. There have even been photographers out there documenting the strike that have gotten fabulous shots of me. And yes, you can see those shots in many of my picket line selfies in the Google Doc and social media versions of this topic. I've run into J.W. Hendricks a lot. He's a writer and photographer who's been documenting the strike with truly amazing photos. He's lovely. He is. We've talked and become friends and he came to my, my reading and signing at Book Soup and he took photos. And if you somehow missed me, never shutting up about it, by the way, this was for my book, Begin Transmission, The Trans Allegories of the Matrix which began as Trans Tuesday Essays and is now out everywhere books are sold in hardcover, paperback, and digital. We talked all about it in episode 26 of this show if you want more information. Tilly, why are you telling us all of this? I hear you scream. Listen, I'm not going to steer you wrong, okay? I want you to understand how universally warm, welcoming, and wonderful the WGA picket lines have been and all the good that's come from it even before the WGA gets a new contract. One thing you might not know about the WGA strike is that often there are themed pickets to add a little fun and help keep morale up as we walk just so many miles and fight to be able to make a living from the thing we do that makes studios billions and billions of dollars. So I've been to the trans takeover at Netflix. I went to Star Trek Day at Paramount. I went to Genre Queens 2 at Fox and 80s Day at Universal and a whole lot more. 
but plenty of days are just plain old picketing with no costumes or events, though sometimes kind people donate food trucks or pizzas or coffee. One of the biggest events that I attended was the Pride Picket at Warner Brothers. It was in early June, and it was beautiful and absolutely packed and incredibly queer and welcoming and wonderful. I'm so glad I got to be part of it. And when I was there, I saw a picket sign that read, My pronouns are pay slash me. If you're out there groaning because pronoun jokes are the hackiest, least funny, terribly transphobic jokes out there, listen, I am with you. It's true. I talked about that a lot in the Trans Tuesday on Trans Rep in Media in 2022 in movies slash TV. That's episode three of this show. And if you're legit confused about why pronoun jokes are a problem, bigots use them to cheapen and discredit the idea that pronouns have any importance and they're actually about respecting someone for who they really are. They're super bad, actually, and the laziest jokes ever. All right, Zoe, I have a hard-hitting question for you. Are you ready? Uh, perhaps. We shall see. <laughs> Just how damn tired of pronoun jokes are you? It depends on who's telling them. Okay. <laughs> because some That's of the fair. very best some of the very best jokes I've heard are from trans people. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what you're getting at with this, it is. Billy. Okay. So, yes, exactly. I want you to consider the context of this sign. The sign was made and carried by a queer person. While there's a chance it was a cis queer person who fell into the hacky transphobic joke trap, it seemed much more likely to me at the picket that it was done as a reclaiming by a trans person. In that context, it's fine. There's no problem with it. Marginalized people reclaiming things used to hurt us is a powerful thing. I talked a bit about that in the Trans Tuesday on Cis is Not a Slur, which was episode 30 of this podcast. And also the word queer. Yes. Oh, in yes. the reclaiming. Exactly. I love the history of queer. It's such yeah. a cool word. I like it. I think it's, it's so inclusive. Like, I'm gay and you don't have to mm -hmm. know what flavor. That's not yeah. your business. That's right. But yeah. I love the mystery bag of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's why I love it too. But if you're not a writer who's out there striking, you also might not know that in most instances, the writer holding the sign probably didn't write it. I could actually never find a blank sign, which is why my transphobia sign I mentioned was made on a poster board and I attach it with magnets. At the end of each strike day, the signs are collected and stored and then redistributed the next day. Signs that go back into the pile and make it around to different lots and locations and get carried by lots of different people. My friend Aaron Wolfke made a sign with a Chief O'Brien quote from Deep Space Nine that said he was more than a hero. He was a union man. And he made that for Star Trek Day at Paramount. And I found it a week or two later when I was picketing at Disney. That's just how it goes. I've seen tons of people not even look at what sign they're grabbing while others are very choosy about it. So when the my pronouns are pay slash me sign got tossed back into the stack, it made its way around and has since been carried by other people at other locations, completely devoid of its likely context of reclamation by its trans creator. And I've heard other writers talking about that sign specifically and how weird it was to see out there, because you don't know if the person carrying it is just a horrible transphobe. In fact, if you weren't at the pride picket, you might think whoever is carrying it made it. And if that's a cis person, you're going to throw them all the side eye in the world if you're an ally worth two grains of salt. So I want to get your opinion on this, Zoe. If you saw people picketing anywhere and one person had a sign that said my pronouns are pay slash me, what kind of reaction would that get out of you without any other knowledge? I mean, I would assume that they're a bit of a jerk. Yeah, that's that's the first place your yeah. mind goes, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. Because ultimately, when you look at anything right? We have the sort of larger language context. 
Yeah. And that's just basic communication theory, right? Well, when you say who is using my pronouns are, and then insert non-pronoun thing here, Mm -hmm. it's people who are deliberately and actively trying to hurt trans people. It's a way of them signaling, and it's a weird kind of thing called vice signaling to other people who are of like minds that, aha, I am, I am the kind of person who doesn't like this othered group of people. Yeah. And if you come over to me, I will reinforce your bigotry and together we will find community and anger. Yeah. And that's important because like for people who are not maybe as online as we tend to be, like yeah. not mm-hmm. realize that this is something that is widely used by transphobic individuals exactly yeah i mean this is you could call it a dog whistle but it's pretty well within the hearing range of most human beings yeah I think, yeah at this yeah point. that's it's just a whistle <laughs> all right so a couple weeks back my friend jamie perry who i only know from social media and have not yet gotten to meet in person she sent me a dm about this very sign she is cis but she wondered if that sign might be a problem and if something should be done. She'd seen it in with the other signs and knew it was in rotation with all of the others, and she asked my advice about what, if anything, to do about it. And I told her that if it was a trans person who made it or was carrying it, it's fine and in fact could be pretty powerful. But as it's so often not carried by a trans person or the person who made it, it was likely a problem. Especially given that it's been taken by people entirely unrelated to the strike and used to make terrible merchandise like shirts and mugs that don't even support the people striking. Don't buy that crap, it's transphobic and it doesn't even help anyone but opportunistic jerks. It's also shown up on many sites in best signs of the WGA strike articles and listicles and absolutely none of them are talking about it being a problem. Which at that point means it's just perpetuating bad transphobic jokes and nothing more. When I see a cis person carrying that sign, I don't know if they just didn't even look at it or if they specifically chose it because they're transphobic. And it might lead someone to believe that whoever was carrying it, who might in fact be a great ally, was a bigot. But much worse, in my opinion, was any trans person who hadn't seen it before and didn't know the context of its creation, appearing at a picket and seeing that sign for the very first time. If that were me, I'd instantly feel like I and all trans people were not welcome, which could lead to feeling like trans people weren't welcome in the WGA or anywhere in the industry, and that's already sadly far too often the case. We face so many barriers to getting hired, especially trans writers. We get told this isn't a trans show as if that's all we can write, or we have a trans writer as if we're all interchangeable and you can't have two. That has actually happened to us. Yes, or we don't have any trans characters. As if we can't write cis characters too. And also, why don't you have trans characters? So I wanted to ask you, Zoe, if you've run into this similar mindset in in academia. Are people more enlightened about trans writers or creators or professors there? Enlightened is a a strong word. You got to remember that a lot of it is political, right? More than actually educated. There's plenty of folks who are just exactly like the kind of friends you're talking about who it's like they mean well and they don't understand that larger context of oppression right a lot of this stuff i had a really good example or or, or actually it was a terrible experience but a really good illustration where there was this huge donut hole in gender-related care in the insurance at my university and you know you've always heard oh you know college professors get the best insurance we don't 
So I, I went to talk to somebody in our union about it. And yeah. the response I got was, oh, no, I, I see the problem immediately. I'm going to put you and the other out trans person that I know on a committee. By oh the way, God. we were not we were not asked if we wanted to be on it. We were yeah. voluntold. So right, that right, the right. next time we co- this comes up, you can, you can pick for us coverage that will meet your standards. I'm like, thanks. Appreciate that. That that doesn't help me at all. Yeah. That makes yeah. everything worse. Oh, I'm sorry. It is definitely like that. You know, something similar happened. I don't remember the specific details, but with the WGA, insurance not covering all of the trans-related care that it should. Mm-hmm. And some trans people, ago. right, a few years ago, some trans people brought it up and the WGA, again, being an actual welcoming place, was like, hey, this is a problem and we need to fix it. And they did. They changed the insurance and got that stuff covered. And that's mm-hmm. beautiful. But this sign that I'm talking about, which was possibly not intended to confirm any of the crap and discrimination trans people in the entertainment industry often have to deal with, was doing exactly that to anyone who didn't know its history. So my friend Jamie, she told me she discussed it with the lot coordinator where she saw it, and they decided to pull it out of rotation. And do you understand the magnitude of that? She didn't wait for a trans person to have to put ourselves in a difficult position of complaining about it to a cis person and not knowing how they'd react or if we'd have to explain why it was so problematic. She saw something that could have been a problem, and she just did something about it because it was the right thing to do. She didn't do it for credit or even thanks. She had no idea I was going to write about it, though of course I told her before writing and recording this. But that is proactive allyship. That is not just saying you're fine with us, not, not just not being a bigot. That is showing every single one of us that you actually have our backs. And you have no idea how much that means, especially in the present political climate. You've talked a little bit about this before, Zoe, but have you run into amazing moments of really proactive allyship where a cis person, like like you mentioned with your boss before, did something that was a huge deal to you because so many other cis people simply won't do it? Yeah, I mean, my bosses, I could... I could probably fill up a whole episode with just anecdotes about my boss going to bat for me. She's absolutely been incredible. But even aside from that, you know, in my friend group, you know, I I came out to people very incrementally before I was ready to be out publicly. And so many of them responded with, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm really excited for you. I understand that you didn't get an opportunity to learn how to do makeup or get a mani-pedi or all of these things that are a very normal part of the feminine experience. And I'm a binary trans woman. You know, I want to make sure you get that. Like I was thrown a slumber party at one point. It was ridiculous. Oh and gosh. we had a blast. And, uh, and that's the one. thing. It doesn't need to be these big public efforts. It doesn't even need to be public at all. It can literally right. just be something as small as, Hey, is this the thing you would like? Because I would like to do it for you. Yeah. And just, I mean, it can be as simple as overt, unprompted actions to make us feel welcome and seen for who we are. Absolutely. In my Trans Tuesday interview with Shakina about her fabulous and deeply needed trans episode of Quantum Leap, she mentioned she preferred the term accomplice over ally. And this is what she meant. That interview was episode seven of this show, if you missed it. She wrote right into the episode, allies sit in the bleachers and wave a flag and accomplices have skin in the game. This is 100% what my friend Jamie did. 
because she could have faced blowback or anger over bringing that sign up. You never know how these things are going to go. And she took that on herself, knowing that if it went bad, it wouldn't be half as bad for her as it would be for a trans person. And she didn't wait for anyone to ask her to. She just did it because she's a proactive ally, because she's an accomplice in our liberation. And it all went fine, and the sign is out of rotation, and nobody was even upset about it as far as I know. But it, it was such a small gesture on her part, and it could make an entire world of difference to any trans people who are going out to those picket lines. Thank you for being here, Zoe. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Always is. With one small act, my friend Jamie actively made the world better, easier, and safer for trans people. And if you're up for it, Jamie, no pressure. I'm going to hug you extra many times whenever we finally meet. Be an accomplice to marginalized voices. Help make the world better for all of us. Tilly Bridges and Transmission. Tilly's Trans Tuesdays is hosted by Tilly Bridges and Susan Bridges with audio editing and sound mixing by Jillian Morgan. Special thanks to Daisy and Jane for the use of Sorry Not Sorry as our show's theme music. Please stop by and show your support at daisyandjane.bandcamp.com and soundcloud.com slash daisyandjane. You can find me at Tilly Bridges on Twitter and Hive, on Mastodon at tillybridges at mastodon.social, at facebook.com slash tillysbridges, and on Insta at heckyeahtillybridges. And you can find Susan on all of those at Susan L. Bridges. The Google Doc and social media versions of this week's topic and all past topics are available at TillysTransTuesdays.com. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. Hello. I am short and angry.